Hey guys, welcome to episode four. As you may have noticed, I have rebranded the show to The Mirror instead of the Watch Me Work podcast. Um, the reason for this is just because I wasn't married to the name. I I didn't particularly vibe with the name as I've gotten three episodes in now. Um, and I feel like it just didn't really match the vision for the show. Uh, and it's... I don't know, the more I kind of analyze it, the more kind of some people might perceive that as like, you know, coming from a place of ego. And and the title itself, in my opinion, just didn't match what the content is going to be. Um, and the show was going to grow and evolve into many different things. And I think the mirror would just be best to encompass all of that, um, especially as I start to get guests on and, and start to bring actual people on instead of just, you know, speaking into the freaking ether, (laughs) you know what I mean, um, anyways, um, with that being said, I want this, uh, episode to be about, uh, relationships, and my struggles with them, and what I've learned about them, because it's been a long and wild ride, (laughs) and I'll dive into, uh, I'll dive into all of that, so with that being said, guys, let's get into episode four of The Mirror. guys episode four of the mirror so what I want to get into is relationships as I've said before so there are many different types of relationships right you got business friendship you know dating marriage you know all these different relationships and there are ultimately each one of them are essentially you can treat them the same right you can use communication you know, all these, you know, cliche tools like communication and, and you know, um, all these different things you can use in a relationship, being open and telling somebody, having the uncomfortable talks and having those hard talks, you know, and business and friendship and marriage and all these go a long way in each one of these relationships, right? And essentially, all these relationships can, are, are not the same, but they're also the same, <laughs> right? Like a business transaction is different in the in that there is a service provided and a payment in return, usually monetarily, right? So you're not going to treat your marriage the same way you would treat a fucking business, all right? That's not marriage. That's something else. Uh, however, <clears throat> communication honest talks and all this stuff can get you very far in each one of these, you know, honesty and each one of these traits can get you very far in each one of these relationships and you can treat them virtually the same, um, in that regard. Okay. Not the transactional part. Okay. You know, growing up again, I I brought this up in other episodes. However, I'm going to go through this again because now we're talking about, you know, relationships and how they relate to my life, right? And and when growing up, I thought relationships were essentially stupid, <laughs> you know? <clears throat> and I thought this way all the way until, I guess you could say, um, essentially into my late 20s and maybe even early 30s. You know, I thought they were dumb. <clears throat> my relationship to relationships started to change in my later 20s, though, however. I started to not hate them as much, um, but let's let's dive into the upbringing real quick. So I think this is going to be a, a a good way to explain why, and a good way to maybe put a mirror in front of your face, so that way you can understand, like you can kind of draw from this, right? So again, I grew up. You know, my dad was, um, you know, getting sober and dealing with his issues. I'm not gonna talk about his issues here me and him have talked since and same with my mother as well um i've been fortunate (laughs) in my later years to have had open and honest conversations with both my parents and how they parented not everybody gets that not everybody 
not everybody's parents goes through the work. In my mom's case, she started at her work at like 60, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like 63. Um, when I started giving her tips and what I've learned through mine, through my work. And now she's finally starting to see herself in a different way, which is super cool. So congrats, Ma. I know you listen to the show. <laughs> I think. I don't know. She can't even make a password for Spotify, so she probably doesn't. Anyway, um, my dad, on the other hand, um, so I'll just say this. I'll, I'll open with this. My mom, her parenting style was guilt-driven, right? It, especially, like, she had this um, addiction to soda, right? And then, like, me and my brother, we would have to walk from, like, the time we were, like, really young, like, 11 or 13, 14, you know what I mean, all the way up. And she would get, like, six 64-ounce cups in a basket. Well, me and my brother were carrying two baskets each, right? So that's like, I mean, do the math, 6, 12, 18, 24. That's 24 64-ounce cups of soda a week we would have to go and get from, uh, we were in Pennsylvania, so we had Wawa back when Wawa was a much smaller company. Um, And she would use guilt. You know, this is just an example of like the parenting style here where she would be like, if you love me, you would do this. Or she would get really angry if like I wanted to stand up and say no. And so what that forced me to do was constantly allow my mother to walk over my bound, my own boundary, right? That I was trying to create. And at 13, man, I mean, (laughs) what, what, at least for me, I don't know what kind of boundaries, hard line that I could have actually set, right? (laughs) For myself, (laughs) but you know, that wasn't going to be, you know, possible for me at 13. I didn't have the wherewithal. I didn't know. I didn't know I could do that, right? And so this is just an example of the type of parenting my mom had. And she wasn't, she didn't have like, we walked all over her because she wasn't an authoritarian figure. She had no discipline. (laughs) So we would get told we were grounded. And then next thing you know, like four hours later, I'm sorry, you know, like, and she would apologize, right? And she has this, like, she's very working she's working on her guilt as we speak and that would transfer onto us and it would be constantly constant apologies and constant you know like I'm sorry even for stuff that literally did not need apologizing for just <clears throat> and I had to have a conversation with her in my and now not too long ago like hey stop fucking apologizing <laughs> you know what I mean like why are you apologizing dude you're you're literally apologizing for essentially being alive you know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? Um, <clears throat> so she's learning, literally. She's like 63 years old, and she's now finally starting to learn these concepts. Um, and I'm grateful that I could help her and aid her in that journey. Because um, it's it's having those conversations with both my parents has lifted a lot. Anyway, so you got the guilt from my mom, right? And then she re- realized and got to a point where she just wasn't disciplined enough. She wasn't you know, she knew that we had to go to our jazz, knowing that my dad was the way he was at the time, um, which is okay, because he was going through his own issues, me and my pop, we talked about this already, we have really good relationship now, where my dad, my dad is now the mentor um, that I was always looking for, so my dad is a really good mentor, man, and I, I've talked to him about this a few times, um, about what my struggles have been, and he was, you know, it's, it's been great, it's been immensely healing, um, so, yeah, no, no, no victim shit there, right, so, anyway, uh, so we're gonna move on, my dad went through four divorces, you know, in his words, he would tell you, you know, he was looking for, um, putting on a Superman cape and thinking he could save these people, right? <laughs> and all these, and all these, these people were, uh, were essentially very damaged, had a lot of things they needed to sort out and probably have not sorted them out like at all. <laughs> like, and that would bleed onto, out onto us, right? So not only was my dad like this angry man, um, but also a really good dad. I got to give him credit. Every time he did get angry, I will say this, that he, as I said in my last episode, episode, uh, three, I believe, or two, um, my dad would always explain why he got angry. 
and that was always good to hear because there would always be this giant freaking meltdown and like you know my dad's like throwing shit across the room <laughs> like trying to like not punch us in the face and uh yeah so instead things would break right um and he was just like a tyrant but he would always explain like why he got mad and it was always fear he didn't want us to turn out like him right because he was trying to break this uh chain of like severe like severe abuse so and he did a really good job all things considered so he did break the chain right um of this horrible like abuse and um as crazy as it was it was much better than what he had right so he was doing the best he could with what he had same with my mom but i didn't understand this you don't understand these things when you're a kid right so again four divorces because of these not four divorces probably three divorces like four major breakups right and i only saw really like there was just constant fights constant arguments constant chaos and i remember at like nine years old like one of them like started screaming at me like why do i have to be the one to raise you like they those two just got off onto an argument and then she's off gassing on me a nine-year-old <laughs> like like why do i have to be the one to raise you and like it's almost like you know, she felt as if, like, I don't know, we were a burden or something. I'm not really sure, to be honest. Anyway, um, they were together for, like, 10 years. And finally, you know, they when they broke up, this was around, like, my high school days. Um, it was like my dad was running away from her because, like, you know, something had happened. Furniture's flying. She's saying, get the fuck out. This is just an example of, like, one of the ways we had to move, right? And as he's running, I've never seen my dad run from somebody. <laughs> And uh, so he's like full sprinting, like, and as he's leaving the the door to to run outside, he's like, "Boys, pack your shit, we're leaving." And he's like, <laughs> running out the door. She comes barreling outside. And she's like, "Don't you ever come back?" And it's like, you know, <laughs> it's just pure chaos, dude. I look back at that now and I just laugh because I've never seen my dad run from somebody, <laughs> and we never moved so quickly. <laughs> So, uh, you know, there's that. Um, but that's just another example of how things were, right? Just the constant arguments, the fights, the, you know, um, and all that chaos in between, right? Just the anger and then my mom's guilt and then all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck, right? So, um, all these patterns were... <laughs> essentially going to manifest themselves you know in middle school I got my heart broken right real bad and like I said in a previous episode um it wasn't that she cheated on me that hurt me I didn't really care about that honestly because I loved her so much um what I cared about was that she didn't feel the same right um because she broke up with me like a month or two after that and was just like you know I don't feel the same I don't love you and I mean, this is middle school, right? But when you're going through therapy, you'd be surprised. What the fuck? You'd be surprised what the hell you hang on to. And I wasn't hanging on to her. What I was hanging on to was that feeling of being in love, right? That, that like, first love, very strong, very emotional, very intoxicating, very, this feeling of, like, almost obsession, right? Um, which is typically what the first love is. And it takes a long time to get over that. At least in my experience, it did. And it damaged me to a point, and all this other stuff just combined, led to me, right, this is, now we're going to go into the, the pattern, right? The pattern was, essentially, I was never like a one-night stand kind of guy, um, although I did have them, it always fell kind of flat for me, because it, it wasn't fulfilling it wasn't you know it wasn't any of that you know what I what I realized I was looking for was a relationship I just didn't realize I didn't know what a relationship was I had no idea and I didn't have this concept of what it was like I always thought relationships and marriage were stupid because it's like why why get married when somebody can just you know take you for everything you have and and go through all this legal battle and you know these divorces would take a long time and I would see this pattern in my dad over and over and over again. I'm like, marriage is dumb, you know, because I only saw divorce. I only saw what a bad relationship looks like. That's the only example that I had, right? <laughs> so it's like my mom never literally 
Uh, she's dated, but never married after that. Like, she's been single now for essentially, I don't know, 20 years, you know? Um, sorry, I'm clicking a pen, so if that's the... I should stop doing that. Um, but... The point is... Where, where, was I, where was I going with this? You know, my mom, again, another... Uh, didn't have any good examples. My mom never remarried, and if she did date, they were... These dudes were... Well... They didn't treat her well, <laughs> and they weren't good for her. And any time that me or my brother said, "Hey, man, what are you, what are you doing?" You know what I mean? She would break up with them. So at least there's that. My mom never chose men over her kids, so that's always good. So there are some good examples here, okay, um, of good practices. Um, but anyway, so I digress. My patterns, okay, the pattern that developed for me. Um, the most was basically serial dating. Like I was serial date because I'm, I'm looking for this feeling of being in love again because that was my only data point on what love was. Was this intoxicating feeling? Was this, and this is what I'm chasing, right? I'm chasing this intoxicating feeling. I'm chasing this feeling of being in love again for the first time. And so the honeymoon stage was the only, was the closest thing that I could get, right? And it was, it turned into this, like, I'm chasing this dopamine of like the first couple months of a relationship. And then, you know, ultimately, you know, when you run flat, you hit the dopamine button so many times, it's like, now you're emotionally flat. And who knows, maybe I did actually like these people. It's just that, you know, when you listen to, let's say Andrew Huberman's podcast, he'll tell you when you hit the dopamine button, this became an addiction, right? This became a pattern where all of a sudden I would get the chase for me was always, you know, much what you would see with people who have like a, a gambling addiction. It's not the gambling. It's not just the gambling itself. It's like thinking of going, you know, getting the money to go gamble and the, the ritual before the gambling, right? This is what it was for me. It was like talking to somebody, telling them I love you and like all this stuff. And then literally when we would have sex, as soon as I was done, I was like, oh my God, I fucked up, right? Like, it was like my baseline just shot through the floor and was just like, I felt, you know, <laughs> I felt like I fucked up and I felt like a shitty person. And so this behavior, exact behavior followed me all the way until my thirties. <laughs> like what? And then not only that, but you know, when you move around a lot, let's, let's back it up here. Right. So again, we're, we're, let's take a look at no good examples of what relationships are where I'm moving a lot, then move far just enough to move out of different school districts where I'd have to try and move, make new friends. Right. And try and make new, like new people. Right. And so none of my relationships were deep at all by any means. And so I didn't even know how to get, have a friendship, you know, other than me and my buddy CJ and like one other person <laughs> that was constant throughout all of this. Um, and me and him were in the same behavior pattern, right? It was like, we're going to go cheat. We're going to go do this. We're going to go get laid. We're going to do whatever. Just conquer, right? <laughs> Fucking conquer, conquer, conquer. And we did. And we were very effective. <laughs> uh, so effective. So effective indeed. That I became emotionally flat as a table because broken heart after broken heart after broken heart after hurting so many people over and over and over and over again, and that you're you that dopamine baseline going down 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 down, because you don't return to baseline after you hit the dopamine right you go below baseline and so like this pattern repeats itself, and next thing you know, guess what? That's right, emotionally fucking flat right. And that's what I mean by when I was saying I was numb. I didn't feel a fucking thing other than like sadness or bitterness or whatever. I just felt bitter, right? And I, a lot of that was directed toward myself. What I realized is that all these boogeymen in my life, and my dad, like me and him had conversations, like me and his relationship were good. My mom's relationship was still a little shaky, but it was good. It's always been good, but I always had this resentment toward her with the guilt and all that stuff, but me and her recently talked about that, so that was very, very healing, um, 
And then, you know, so there's all this stuff going on, but these boogeymen, you know, and then like the childhood trauma from the past and all this stuff, like these boogeymen are not in my life anymore, right? So what I realized, right, in learning about my patterns is that I was also had a lot of negative self-talk, right? I became the boogeyman to myself, right? And from like essentially middle school, I stopped emotionally growing. I didn't, I stopped growing emotionally and then you know emotional my emotional intelligence was about that of like a 13 year old well as probably like a 15 year old you know what I mean and that pattern of behavior followed me because I was always trying to chase that first love and I never got out of that pattern of behavior and that followed me again until my late 20s <laughs> so guys don't wait until your late 20s to do some work okay if if you are a younger dude and you see this in yourself dude get the help now Please do not wait. Do not wait until later to start learning about this stuff. Okay? I only didn't start learning about this stuff because it wasn't a concept to me until later. Right? So, anyway. um, Learning about my patterns and how they were affecting my relationships. You know, I would cheat. So, I would cheat on these people. And not because, like, there was any malice intent. It was just I was too afraid. Because my mom was always... I always saw my mom was always afraid of, like... You know, she just, she was always in a lot of fear and guilt. There's fear and guilt pattern. And so I learned some of that. And I was always afraid. I was always wrapped in fear. Like, oh, I don't want to hurt this person. But inevitably, you know, what's done in the dark comes to the light, right? <laughs> and so these people would always find out. And I would end up hurting them. And and I was never a bad guy. I was always very sweet. I was always very kind. Um, however, um, I never treated anybody like an asshole outside of the cheating part, right? I was always very sweet. Um, a very sweet, good, kind-hearted person. I just, and so, but my view of myself wasn't that until later, right? Anyway, what I'm saying is, is I'm getting a little off topic here. I'm kind of bouncing around a bit. Um, and so through all this chaos, you know, I'm, I'm, I started trucking, right? And since I started truck driving, what ended up happening is, is that I got bored enough, right? The distractions were gone. Um, I'm traveling the country. I'm spending a lot of time alone. There's only so many times you can listen to music or podcasts before all that stuff starts to feel mundane, right? Now I look at podcasts in a different way. I listen to all kinds of different stuff. And I get, I always get like a little nugget. That's why I listen to them. Um, and so for years, I'm getting these little nuggets, getting these little nuggets, like, oh yeah, like I see that. Oh, I see that in myself. Oh, this person was talking about their mom and their mom also had the same, almost the same exact, you know, situation and circumstances and guilt, shame, you know, style of parenting and what that did to them. And I was like, oh my God, that's me. I see myself in that person. That's why I listen to podcasts, and that's why I hope this podcast really drops some huge nuggets for people, because this is what this this podcast is about, right? And so, anyway, my relationship with myself, and what I mean by that is, is that I had all this negative self-talk. I became the boogeyman, and because that's what you do when you have chaos, and all of a sudden that chaos is gone, what do you do? Well, you, that chaos turns inward. You don't know what else to do. <laughs> that's what you're comfortable with. That's your that's your baseline. Your baseline is chaos. You like it. Thrive in it. As a matter of fact, I still thrive in it. Even with work, my work relationships, if they call, if somebody calls me and said, hey man, we freaking need you. It's chaos, hell in a handbasket. That's when I come alive. That's when I'm like, fuck yeah, like let's go. And then outside of that, it's like sometimes I, I struggle to find footing because I can only thrive in chaos, right? It's like, I don't know. I thrive in structured chaos. I love chaos. I love it so much. Um, but I also have to have a mature relationship with that chaos, right? It's not like I can't just, you know, my shadow is this chaos, right? And so you have to become essentially friends with that shadow, right? Change the way you look at yourself by changing your relationship with your shame and changing your relationship with your shadow. I carry a lot of shame from hurting a lot of people. Um, and I've even called some of these people or messaged these people and apologized because I was in a, I'm in a different part of my life right now. And I, you know, some people were very receptive. They were like, Hey, that's cool. I'm glad that you are actually doing the work. Uh, I appreciate the apology. You didn't owe me that, but 
thank you. That actually does a lot more than you think. And so when I gave these legitimate heartfelt apologies and explaining what the hell was going on with me, more people were very receptive um, to that. And there were some people that didn't even want to give me the time of day, and that's fine. Um, but I am working on mending relationships, right? Not I don't have to be friends with these people, but it's like I have to mend, right? I have to pass on the healing that I'm getting because service to self is also, or service to others is also service to self. So let's say, um, so like, you know, I mean, you can imagine the freaking tension, you know, when you're like calling an ex that you freaking like rip their heart out and you're, they're like, yeah, hello. Like, what do you want? <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause I think you have like this ulterior motive. And when you just say like, look, I just called you to like apologize for being you know, this insecure guy, all these patterns and yada yada, I would go through all this stuff and they would go, huh, that's very interesting. You know what I mean? It, it was just like, I don't know. So I, I would do that too. Um, this is all part of my healing because where I'm carrying shame, I don't want to carry the shame anymore. And my version of doing that and what you could do is by calling people up that you hurt before, calling them, texting them, giving them this long you know, novel or explaining to them what was going on with you. You're sorry. You know, you're doing work in this area. And most people, I guarantee you, again, it's not going to be as bad as you think it's going to be. Anyway, I'm getting distracted. I'm very distracted today. <laughs> uh, so again, learning about my patterns, right? And why I was doing them. I finally realized that there was a lot of things that were linking back to my past, right? This is part of letting go is going into your past and just kind of forgiving yourself and forgiving others and forgiveness and forgiveness and forgiveness and forgiveness. What is forgiveness, right? We're going to get into what is forgiveness. What is that? Forgiveness is for you. It's not for that other person. It's for you. Part of being able to forgive is also having understanding. Understanding why these people did what they did. Understanding why, you know... um, putting yourself in their shoes and understanding and once you have that understanding and you can you can go oh okay I know why you did that I can understand why you did that that is a step toward forgiveness and yet forgiveness is for you forgiveness is letting go forgiveness is a lot of different things but most importantly it's letting go right um, this was something I had talked to my therapist about I wanted to let go of some things and in doing that I have to forgive I have to understand. I have to put myself in their shoes. So patterns, right? These patterns manifested in that way. And what I finally, you know, again, I go back to you. Why, you know, why you hold on to all these different things in your life? Like you think back like 10 years ago, this one thing and you're like, God, I'm a fucking idiot. You know what I mean? And it's like, <laughs> I think back to sometimes when I'm just like, I'm like, literally in kindergarten and I said something really stupid and it's like I think wow you're a fucking moron right and then I'm like dude you were in fucking kindergarten like shut the fuck up <laughs> like what dude like why are you thinking about this shit you know but you know I don't know memories come up dude and it's so funny how we operate um anyway so again let's let's break down what all this was for me okay so again, watch four divorces, heartbreak, you know, no good example of what a healthy relationship is. You know, my dad was an angry guy and used anger quite a bit. And then my mom was like this, you know, used for like guilt as a form of parenting. I moved a lot, didn't have deep, close friendships, right? So in summary, all that created all these different, this pattern of mine. And so then I learned about this pattern. So what did I do? Right. Let's let's move into what I did. Um, what you have to do, and this is the work. This is where the work really started for me. Is, and this is where it starts for everybody. You know, and I'll just put it simply as this. The work is, we all know, we have things that we know we should be doing but aren't doing. Okay, and we all have things that we aren't doing that we know we should be doing. 
And if you ask yourself the hard questions, you know the answer. Everybody deep down knows the answer. Why aren't I doing this? You know, I'm not doing this. Yeah, I know. Okay, I'm I'm doing I'm not doing this, but I should be doing this. Yeah, I know. You know the answer. You know you're not doing these things. The work is literally all the things you're doing that you know you shouldn't be doing, stop doing those. All the things that you are not doing, but know you should be doing, start doing those. Right? It's as simple as, hey, uh, I quit smoking here very recently, right? I knew smoking was bad. But every day I chose not to. But I knew, always, deep down, that I should fucking quit. <laughs> right? I knew it. I always knew. And then finally one day I just got off my ass, just bought a vape, and started at like a 6% nicotine level and worked my way down to a zero to essentially placebo and then quit the vape. That is what you should do, right? If you can't quit cold turkey, quit that way. It makes the it takes the edge off, right, of the withdrawal, you know, over time. And so what you do, right, just as an example, a good pattern to set is you buy yourself your 6% nicotine bottle. You already know that's going to last you a week and a half, two weeks. Once that bottle is done, you force yourself to go down to a 3% nicotine. Again, until that bottle is done, then you go down to a, a 1%, and then you go down to a 0 until these bottles last. Once that 0% nicotine is done, you are done. There is no exceptions, right? And yes, those feelings of those cravings and those urges will be there for months after, okay? But they won't be as harsh as if you if you just went cold turkey, right? Especially the first couple of weeks. Um, so I use that as an example, right? What do I have to do? Well, guess what? There's a voice in my head that's like, that's still, you know, oh, I could cheat. Oh, I could do this. Oh, I could go out and do what I want to do, right? I could go out and do these things. But guess what? That's part of the, the pattern, part of the addiction, part of, you know, this pattern that you're trying to release. So what do you do? You just don't do those things, right? You choose to not do them. It's about choices. You're always going to have those freaking... <laughs> you're always going to have those freaking... Uh, those those urges are going to be there. But guess what? They will eventually go away. Okay? They will go away. And this is like the mind is so used to this pattern. Years and years of me doing this, right? I'm 32 now. These patterns started in middle school, and they have been with me a long, long, long time. Long time. <laughs> and I've allowed these patterns to happen for a long time, okay? So, getting off of that quote-unquote drug, that, that pattern, is very difficult, right? It's very hard. And so what you have to do, what I have to do, is practice every day, right? And if I have these urges, I have people I can call. Hey man, look, I'm really, really at a precipice right now where I might actually make a bad decision. And then literally all this person has to do is remind me, Shane, you're, you're doing the work. What are you doing the work for? You know, you know where this path goes if you choose it. You know where this road goes, Shane. You know exactly where it goes. You know exactly it's going to take you to a place of bitterness, aloneness. You're not going to have anybody. That's it. And you're going to pass this pattern of behavior on your fucking kids. And you're going to pass this pattern of behavior on to, you know, you're going to hurt people over and over and over again. And I have these people I can call. You know? Um, even my dad makes himself available if I need to call. If these are the moments that I'm having. And I have people I can call. Literally, this is the conversation I have with them. And I have to have this conversation with them. Because I don't want to make those choices again. I don't want to. Practice. Practice good relationship techniques. What 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 else can you practice? Communication, right? This is something I've practiced in my current relationship a lot. I even before I cheated, I even and this is this is very personal to me. However, I even brought it up to her. I said, "Look, we weren't having a whole lot of sex around this time. 
She's not a very sexual person at all. It is what it is. But I can't. I knew I couldn't carry these expectations of her to just have sex with me whenever the fuck I wanted to. Right? This is kind of moving into a deeper, you know, maybe a little more darker area of my psyche. Right? Where it's like I did not want to pass. I didn't want to do this behavior again. But this is the part in the relationship where I did allow it. Once I saw, after everything going on in the relationship that had happened, I was carrying so much resentment. I was also having so many expectations of her and resentment around those expectations, which causes the self-imposed resentment, which I had for her. I told her, hey man, look, if nothing changes, I'm going to cheat. I essentially said, I feel like cheating right now. And she took that. She got very angry. She had every right to be angry. Right? Um, But it was the first time in a relationship where I was honest. I said I wasn't happy. I said this is where I'm at. And you know what? Sometimes these are the conversations you need to have in your relationship. But when I saw a few months later that things weren't changing, I used that as a justification to be able to go out and cheat. And I did. In my current relationship, that's what I did. Right? And this was before I actually realized, and this is how recent some of this shit is for me. This is how recent some of this is. And I shortly learned after that all these expectations that I was carrying, all this stuff in this relationship, all the, and, and this pattern, again, this goes back to patterns, right? All these expectations and all this stuff. And, I was just in such a bitter, angry place um, that, you know, I went to um, Sam. And Sam was the first person who really got to be able to dive into me as a human being. And I was in a place where I was willing to listen. And he told me what expectations were and how you can't carry any including you can't expect this person to have sex with you when you want. You can't expect this person to love you the way you want to be loved. You can't expect any of this. And when I learned that, I I sobbed. And I mean it because I was in such a dark place that I was crying. I didn't, you know, I had all these expectations on myself too, which carried a lot of weight. And, you know, I felt like 400 pounds had been lifted off my shoulders and I cried for a good five minutes. And when I was finally able to get my two words and, and the whole time, Sam is just like, yeah, man, let it out. It's okay to feel the way you do. It's all good. You know what I mean? And there was no judgment, no shame, no guilt, no any of that projected onto me for feeling the way I was feeling or doing what I did or having this pattern of behavior. And it was so liberating and freeing to be unlocked from the shackles I had on myself. All these expectations, they're a shackle. They're a weight, they're a mold. Like a fungus that grows on you. And uh, in that moment, I released all of them that I knew about. (laughs) And it was the best, man. It was fucking awesome. And goddamn, dude, that, I talk about that a lot. Expectations and these molds and these dark, like, insidious, like, fucking patterns of behavior. Fuck, man. The shit consumes you. And it eats you alive. And when you release that shit, God, you can breathe again. It's like, fuck! <laughs> and it was great. It was it was probably one of the best experiences of my life. But goddamn, dude. It's been a wild, wild decade and a half. <laughs> Um, so yeah, where are we? Practicing good relationship habits. We're at, we're at the practicing stage, right? Practice good communication. This is what I was talking about when I gave that example. Practice communicating, having those hard conversations. That is what those hard conversations look like, fuckers. Okay? You say, you have to say you're not happy if you're not happy, Right? If you're not happy, you need to dive into why you're not happy. Maybe there's an expectation there. Maybe it's because you're expecting her to be a certain way and she's not living up to that because inevitably, as human beings, we're not going to live up to these expectations we carry because they're unrealistic, right? So you have to dive into you. 
And again, I'm looking at you with no shame because I'm looking at you as a man who has been through the same shit. So for fucking A, man, start looking in a mirror. Start. Talk to a therapist. They will point this shit out to you. And as painful as and annoying and as frustrating as it can be to look at yourself in that way, you got to do it. Because that's the truth. The truth will set you free. And the truth set me free. What else can you practice? God damn it, dude. You can practice so many things. You can practice not cheating. <laughs> right? You can practice not falling into old patterns of behavior. You can practice. Uh, let's say you can practice loving a person the way that they need to be loved. Even though it's not in your wheelhouse. You can learn it because if you love your partner enough and say they love, you know, say I'm not a person who's loving or affectionate and this person is, practice that. Throw your hand on, throw your hand around them when they don't expect it, you know, just like hold their hand or put your hand on their leg or little things like that for people like that go a long way. I know from personal experience, stuff like that goes a long way with me, right? You don't have to do much. I'm not asking for like a 45 minute fucking cuddle session. That's not what I... It's not what I need, <laughs> you know, but just like this, this, I would practice that for this person that I love very deeply. Right. And I would do that. And, uh, so you can practice that practice good relationship habits, practice listening. Listening is a fucking skill and an art form, but in order to be able to listen, you need to be able to look at yourself, right? You need to be able to have the ability to all that anger that's starting to bubble up when somebody's telling you about yourself and you're like, like, no, it's not true. You need to be able to look in a mirror and in that moment, listen, just listen. Okay. Acknowledge that you're angry. Acknowledge that this person is calling you out. It's okay. They're doing it for a reason. And if you're in a relationship, more than likely it's because they love you because they care and it's because they have a need they are trying to communicate and you need to listen. You need to be open to this. Because for a long time I wasn't. And where did that get me? <laughs> you know. Um, and you know, maybe I, maybe I wasn't as caring and carefree and loving of an individual as I thought I was. Right? Maybe I'm not. Maybe I wasn't. You know. However, what else can you practice? Again, listening is an art form. But what I was saying was, in order to listen, you need to be able to look in a mirror and see if what they're saying is true. And you need to be as objective as possible. And if what they're saying is true, it means they are seeing something in you that you may also see as well. Or maybe you don't. Maybe that's why you're so defensive. But if this is something you've heard before, maybe you need to start looking. Maybe you need to see if you're carrying expectation. Maybe you need to see, you know, maybe you need to start doing some diving into the mirror, right? Hence the name of the show. Allow me to be a mirror for you. Because I know there are going to be some of you that hear this, all this stuff, and you're going to go, holy shit, I did that too. So how do you release yourself of those shackles and set yourself free? Let go of your expectations. And uh, practicing good good habits, good form, good... All these things, man. You know? You'd be surprised at all the stuff you're hanging on to when you go to therapy. You know? Stuff from middle school. Shit. Stuff from maybe even before that. You know? Stuff during that. You'd be surprised what what chaos can, can bring into your life and how chaos follows you. Chaos is your shadow. You know, your shadow is your shame that you carry. Your shadow is this, you know, the anger and all these negative emotions that you carry. It's this pattern of behavior that you have. That's your shadow. Changing your relationship with your shadow is changing your relationship with yourself. And if you can find a way to make a friend with your shadow, you're finding a way to make a friend with yourself. To become closer to yourself. To stop all that negative self-talk bullshit behavior because that's what that is it's bullshit you're a good man you're a good woman I'm telling you this right now 
If you are in these kinds of patterns of behavior, there's nothing fucking wrong with you. You are operating in a way that makes sense as to what your upbringing is. Sorry, I'm getting notifications. You are acting out your childhood in a way. You are acting out your traumas. You are acting out. You are acting out. That's okay. And that's okay. There's nothing fucking wrong with you. There's nothing fucking wrong with you, fucker. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with you. No judgment here, dude. Go get the help you need. Start practicing good relationship behavior. Good. Start practicing self. Good self-talk. Tell yourself you're awesome. Because you are. You're fucking sick, dude. You're fucking sweet. Because if you can survive all this. And you can get as far as you have. You're fucking good to go. You got this. I know you do. Fucking email me. The email is in the description of the show. I will give you whatever advice you need. And I'll be 100% honest with you. Because I have a lot, a lot of bullshit in my life. This is probably the deepest episode I've done so far. And we have a lot more to go. In future coming episodes. Things might get a little dark and heavy. Right? Might, you might want to go, ooh, yeah, I might turn this podcast off because it might be ringing so true to me. I don't want to fucking hear it. Yeah, that could be the case. Sometimes I would cringe too, but I wouldn't cringe because it was corny. I would cringe because it was true, and I just didn't want to hear it. So I shied away, right? These are important things to talk about, my dudes, my ladies. So, I don't know, man. This is my talk on relationships. And my relationship currently now, I'm practicing a lot of good habits, a lot of good behavior. Um, you know, and, and we've grown past. She knows these things about me, right? This is where good, healthy communication comes in. Everything I've explained to you, she knows. She knows all about. She knows my flaws. She knows. <laughs> she knows the chaos. She knows what I deal with. Um, because we've opened a space in our relationship to be able to do that, which is going to lead me into my next point. Open a space in your relationship right now to be able to have those conversations. How do you do that? Well, let's talk about bringing a conversation up, a hard conversation with somebody. And you say, look, I want to open a space in our relationship where we can be 100% honest and we can leave the defense mechanisms and all the bullshit at the door. And the only thing that's allowed in this space between you and I is honesty because it's just you and I. And if me and you want to continue this relationship, I need to have a conversation with you. And if you're open to that conversation, I'd like to have it. We can have it set a time, you know, maybe 6 o'clock tonight when we're getting settled, you know, it's after dinner or maybe it's, you know, before dinner or, you know, we can do this after dinner. Maybe when we go to bed, we can have this nice heartfelt conversation. And trust me, not all these are going to be heartfelt, gooey, ooey, gooey moments, okay? An argument might start. And that's okay. This is part of processing. And naturally, when you have the hard conversations, sometimes they don't, you know, end well, right? Sometimes you're going to leave a conversation feeling like, well, that didn't help at all. And eventually that person will eventually come around and go, you know what? I want to continue this conversation. Or maybe they learned something about you. Or maybe they really appreciated that you were that honest with them. But that's going to take some time and you need to allow that time and space to happen. So whatever that is for you, you got to be honest. You got to open up that space in your relationship for complete 100% fucking honesty. And how has this, I want to expand on how this all has changed my view on what a real relationship is and how amazing relationships are. Because I used to hate them. I used to think they were so fucking dumb. (laughs) Because I was like, why am I going to get into a relationship if all they're going to do is just try and take everything I have? Right? It's like, I was looking at it the wrong way. I was looking at it from a perspective of it's going to end before it even starts. And so I always just thought 
man, relationships are dumb. I'm going to go do what I want to do. Fuck kids. I'm not going to have kids. Fuck all that. I don't want that. Because I genuinely didn't want to. Didn't want kids. Even when I first started having them. <laughs> I was scared and I was like, I don't want to. There's a lot of me that didn't want to change. I wanted to continue selfish bullshit behavior. But, I mean, having kids has been probably one of the best things to happen to me. Because it got me in a place where I needed to change. And so did my career. You know, trucking. Trucking got me bored enough to finally start looking in a mirror in the first place. You know, because you're out on the road. You might talk to somebody every other day. You know, and I'd be out on the road for like two months at a time because I wanted to be. So I was running. <laughs> I must have been running or something. I don't know. I just really loved it. I loved the, I loved the travel. I loved all that stuff, and I did that. I lived on the road for about three years. Well, actually, I lived on the road for three years. I didn't have an apartment back home. When I would go home, I would just go to my parents' house or a friend's house, and uh, I would spend my time there. And I'd go see everybody. I would be out for two months and home for three days, out for two months, home for three days. And that was by choice. I could have gone home, you know, way sooner than that. But I didn't have kids. And, you know, I was out on the Tinder. And, uh, you know, doing all the destructive patterns of behavior that <laughs> got me feeling the way I was in the first place. That, you know, the career that got me bored enough to fucking finally start looking inward, you know. And then seeking therapists, listening to podcasts, getting my little nuggets over the years that I was doing this job. You know, I've been doing this job now for, I've been driving total for probably about nine years. And I'm very grateful for this, for this uh, career path that I chose because I needed it and it was my path. And I apparently, I don't know, maybe somebody's looking out for me, dude, because they knew I needed it. I knew I needed it. I just didn't know it yet. Anyway, so what else? Where, where was I going? Uh, what? Let me see here. Practicing good relationship habits. I, I actually have an outline in front of me. Um, I forget where I was going. Oh, that's such a bummer. Hold on. Yes, so that's where I was. I remembered. Um, I had to go back through the recording and figure out where the hell I, <laughs> where the hell I got off track on. Um, was how this changed my view on what relationships are. And my current relationship has been a huge um, awakening um, into what relationships can be and should be. And it was the first relationship I practiced honest communication in. It was the first relationship that I realized that I wasn't letting anyone in. I didn't let anyone into who I was, genuinely, uh, until this one. I, <clears throat> this relationship has been a test in many ways, <laughs> as also a, a very large breeding ground for learning. Um, sticking with somebody even when it seems like they don't respect you or even when it seems like I'm not respecting them because I wasn't and learning together and growing together and putting your bullshit aside so that way you, you can listen all these lessons I've learned through doing this work <laughs> it has been a wealth of knowledge um, being able to practice these concepts and being able to, literally, that's what you have to do. Just when I, if anything, I've learned anything. It's, it's, I've learned practice, 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 practice. And you know what? Where an argument starts, that's fine. If you argue and with your your significant other, it's okay to argue with them when you're first trying to practice these concepts because it's gonna happen. You're gonna argue. You're gonna get into fights. Um. And that's okay. That's all part of the process of, you know, when I think, when I think of relationships, the vision that I get in my head, um, I always, you know, when I listen to music, I get, you know, images, still images, movies, colors, shapes, um, 
And when I think about the concept of a relationship, I think about two planets, massive like planets, gravitationally revolving around each other, pulling and pushing and just ugh, these gravitational forces are so fucking strong and because they're trying to merge. What these planets are trying to do is trying to merge together. And they're just whirling around each other so fast and it's like there's going to be these growing pains and these tectonic plates moving and volcanic eruptions and chaos and and then you finally settle in, right? There's going to be this this period in your relationship where there's going to be fights and arguments and these your your two gigantic planets just with massive gravitational force that is slowly pulling together but also in ways pushing away and massive forces are in motion right until finally you can open the space in your relationship where you can come together and these planets can merge and become one and it's going to be hot and it's going to be chaotic at first and then eventually you will settle in to a nice or at least that's just how this relationship has been right Maybe that's because I'm still in my, my growth. And maybe I'm the planet that has all the gravitational energy of repelling and pulling and repelling again. And I'm maybe I'm the issue, right? Maybe you're that gravi- unstable gravitational you know, force that's the issue, right? And in many cases, I am. And in many cases, she is too. Because she also has some stuff that she hasn't and still needs to deal with. And that's fine. She's going to grow in her own way, and I can't expect anything else from her other than just, this is the most important part, allowing her to grow in her own time. And guess what? It might take a long time. But that's okay. Here's where I'm at. That, to me, is what a relationship is now. It's two people learning to be able to be together two gravitational forces that just end up converging, right? And become one. (laughs) To some people, this might seem obvious, right? But it wasn't always obvious for me. It wasn't, it wasn't at all. And um, I think that's a good place to conclude this episode because through all the struggle and through all that bullshit and through all my negative behavior and all that chaos, I finally learned and I'm starting to learn what a real relationship is. And uh, I couldn't be more grateful because this new pattern of behavior, right? If we're going to go back to patterns, what you're trying to do is develop another pattern of behavior. And so... (laughs) Um, this new pattern of behavior is going to is starting to bleed into other areas of my life as it's naturally going to do because what you do in one relationship you do in all so all these concepts that I'm learning in this relationship I'm now starting to bring forward into other ones and it's starting to have the inverse effect of my previous behavior is now starting to grow into and blossom and flourish into my other relationships with friends. Um, and being honest with myself about myself to these people and apologizing and, you know, all this stuff, all this bullshit that I've done, I'm now in a stage where I'm like, I want to practice new behavior and I'm doing it. I'm doing the work. I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm showing up for my kids. I'm showing up for Pat. I'm showing up for friends. Oh, there we go again. Notification. <laughs> um, and that's where I'm at, man. And that's that's the, the new pattern I'm practicing. That's the new pattern. So. And with that being said, that was episode fucking four of the Mirror Podcast. So, guys, again, this is the show where you start to love and appreciate the reflection in that mirror. As I am. And I hope, I hope you can get there too. And if you're already there, God damn it, the email for the show is still Watch Me Work Podcast. I might change. Or I might keep it the same. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> uh, it's in the show. 
I need advice. I want to give advice. Let's have a Q&A. With that being said, guys, that was episode four. Love ya. Peace.